Thanks for calling Sports Stories with Denny Lennon, the top-rated video podcast in the Sentinella Adobe Corridor. Please leave a message. Yeah, good evening, Denny. This is Bryant Gumble. Let me first start by telling you I've been enjoying your little show, Sports Stories with Denny Lennon, immensely. Both well-researched and underfunded, it comes across as a heady mix of pathos, street-level fanboy exuberance, and common naivete. Nevertheless, I feel it my duty, as both a journalist and a franchise player, to warn you that you're on legal thin ice. As everyone knows, my show is called HBO Real Sports, and you are using the word sports in the title of your show. You will be hearing from my attorneys, and you'd better bring your A-game. Do you think much about mortality, my friend? See you in court, tough guy. The popular TV series Parks and Recreation was created by Greg Daniels, who's a legitimate force in comedy. His work as a writer for Saturday Night Live and The Office, not to mention King of the Hill, is evidence to that. His collaboration with Michael Schur to create Parks and Rec in 2009, starring the hilarious Amy Poehler as Leslie Nope, a perky mid-level bureaucrat in a fictional town of Pawnee, Indiana, it's another iconic hit. It ran for seven seasons and 125 episodes. In season two, Leslie gathers a group of her closest gal pals for a brunch of waffles and love. She makes known that every February 13th, my lady friends and I leave our husbands and boyfriends at home and we just come and kick it, breakfast style. It's become such a widely recognized fake holiday that many companies now run Galentine's Day promotions. Far be it from SSDL to be left behind in any reason to celebrate a fake holiday, waffles, or ladies. It's as good as a reason as any to leave the men we have interviewed behind for this week, many of whom might just associate with the director of Pawnee's Park and Recreation, Ron Swanson. The self-proclaimed man's man made his position on Galentine's Day known when he stated that I would rather bleed out than sit here and talk about my feelings for 10 minutes. So it is, this week, we celebrate Galentine's Day with a celebration of our impressive list of ladies from sports that we have interviewed. Amy Poehler, sadly, is not one of those interviews, but we should make note that the star of Park and Rec proved herself to be quite the athlete when she portrayed figure skater Fairchild Van Waldenberg in the 2007 comedy Blades of Glory. Well, that's got to prompt a final reply from Ron, somewhat of an athlete himself, who offers this advice on bowling. Straight down the middle, no hook, no fuss. Anything more, and this becomes figure skating. America! I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan. One that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Hello, Sports Storians. Welcome to episode number 71 of our video audio podcast, Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. This week, we celebrate Galentine's Day with our interviews with some of the top women athletes in the United States. So now we bring in our country's favorite gal, producer Marley Rice, (laughs) for a state-to-state Galentine trip. Marley, who is first? All right, we're going to start this Galentine's episode off with Teresa Parmenter. Yep, one of our first interviews from uh, Iowa. She is the 
AAU governor of the Iowa district. She's got some great stories about basketball from the Hawkeye State. Now, uh, my mom, uh, when she grew up, and, and she's, she had been older than you at this point, but she played what I think might have been referred to as Iowa basketball rules. Now, yes. She grew up in California, but uh, I think it was three. Um, six on six basketball. And, yeah, you could only go to half court? And you could only go to half now, court. Now, what was your rules when you grew up? I That same way. Same way. Same and, way. And, and how come she, do you know why she would have referred to them as Iowa rules? Because we were the state that played uh, six on six basketball the longest of any state. Oh, okay. So, yes. Wow. How, and, and we're... So, in effect, you would have been on either the offense group or the or defense. defense. Which, which group were you on? I played defense. Yeah? I yeah. played w- defense. Could you steal the ball pretty good? Well, not anymore. <laughs> oh, back then, I bet you did all right. <laughs> so, I had a good time. <laughs> you, didn't you, okay. So, what was, your, what was the name of that high school? Lennox High School. Lennox High School. Now, I would imagine at that time, just being, um, if your dad was a sports fan, you're a sports fan. Was Chicago, was, was that the big city that you would most, it was you know, closest? Or? When I was um, in school, we could get um, the, the Brooklyn Dodgers uh, on right. the radio. And my dad taught us how to do the line score for baseball. So uh. we would sit with the radio and listen to um, the line score uh, and learn how, learned how to keep score. That's the way I learned how to appreciate the game of baseball do you um still keep a yes. score when you go to a game i do i, I love it i do <laughs> too do. I, I think it's fantastic it's in it's i like at the end of it and you look back on your book and it tells a story yes yes it does there was so. um i was listening doris kernwin i think her name she's a historian and she particularly loved brooklyn dodgers but that was her way of connecting with her father was she would during the day keep the score and then yes. when he came home she would play play it back yeah. to him that's, yeah. yeah, that's not anytime you had to do that. And that's the only reason we really had the connection with the Dodgers is because that's what we got on the radio. So, oh, okay. And, and actually closer to other teams, but uh, um, that's the one that we could get. So, and, and Is that what you played in high school was uh, softball, softball and, and basketball? Yes. And we had track, uh, but not um, state track meets. Uh, my junior and senior year of high school was the first – time that track was for girls was there the any limitation um yes we it was only uh only in your high school and and uh yeah i you, you didn't have anything other than just high school i mean you didn't and okay. it was all the smaller schools not the bigger schools okay it, and, and that's the way basketball started too big schools in iowa didn't have have uh, basketball they had at it, but the little schools all had basketball. There was a, um, a rule I read about recently that had something to do with one of the Olympic sports, and then they took the mile away from the women being able to run that or something, and they didn't reinstitute it for a long time. And I was wondering if they did the same thing at state levels. Like, did they I restrict you from running any long distances yeah, or anything I like don't. that? I don't know, but they always thought that sports was too hard on girls. Did, how did that so. did that stick with you a little oh, bit? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, you could do farm work, which was a whole lot harder than that. And you could lift bales and you could yeah, right? do all that kind of stuff. And, and, right? And, yeah. But you couldn't play basketball or, or softball or Isn't run that track. That I, didn't, I wasn't much of a runner. I was a high jumper. Okay. So, so. And, and do you remember your highest mark? 
No, I don't remember. <laughs> it was five something. I think nice. five two. I think was what it was. There's a couple of things that interest me when I was um, looking in, into what you did. Tell me a little bit about ISS. Iowa Sister States is an organization. We are one of a kind kind of organization. A lot of people have uh, Iowa Sister Cities uh, uh, okay. affiliations, but we have a state-to-state -state organization, and we're affiliated with uh, uh, eight different states. And our um, most visible states that we're involved with are uh, Yamanashi, Japan, yeah. Hebei, China, and our most recent one is Kosovo. And we got involved with Kosovo when uh, the Iowa National Guard was the peacekeeping unit for Kosovo when they were gaining their independence. Um, and uh, General Orr was uh, the commander of the Guard at sure. that time, and he said that uh, we needed to to not just be their peacekeeping unit, that we needed to be, um, um, we needed to do more for their country than just do that. And so that, we That's got involved with Kosovo and we've really, I was really been involved with them. And it's a, it's, a, it's a cultural exchange. That it's a cultural, sports. well, it's not just cultural. We, we have business exchanges, oh, we have okay. sports exchanges, we have cultural exchanges. Uh, we had a, a baseball exchange with uh, Yamanashi Japan for about 30 years. Isn't that uh, so wow. And uh, then their economy has made it so that they have made it so that we don't can't have that relationship oh, anymore, that they don't have it. So... We, we really feel bad about that, and that was all high school-age kids. And so now for this sports exchange, uh, a year ago, uh, we had the J.O. Games in Des Moines. Sure. And uh, some Kosovo wrestlers came over and participated as part of that. And then this past summer in June, we went over with a wrestling team and a volleyball, girls' volleyball team. The... Um I read up a little bit about the uh, baseball exchange, and I, I, tell me a little bit about your, your host families welcoming we, these. We always had hosts. In, in, in uh, Yamanashi, we always uh, um, had homestays for the kids that they stayed in homes when we went over there, and, and the kids did, and, yeah. and they stayed in homes went here. The coaches always, they put always put coaches up in hotels, but... And that's where most uh, but, of the learning really happens. Oh, it was. My youngest son was fortunate enough to be in one of the exchanges, and it's an experience he's never forgotten. I'll bet. Mm -hmm. I understand that the boys um, from Japan could consume uh, large amounts of food, and it took some people by surprise. <laughs> yes, it did. It did. Yeah? <laughs> so. Did they enjoy the American food? They did enjoy the American food. <laughs> and the unlimited amount yes. of it that Iowa can provide? And we always uh, tr tried to have them come over. Well, they always came over in August because of uh, in Iowa that the baseball season doesn't end till the end of July for high school age kids. And uh, so they would come early August. Okay. And then they'd go to the Iowa State Fair. And so they really Oh, they went to the that. Iowa State Fair? Yes. They oh, really they, got, they that. got their hands on some real... Uh -huh. Oh, boy. <laughs> that, that's that was really and good. Then, and then I saw where August 1st, I think, of this past year at the, was like Kosovo Day. 
at the yeah. Junior Olympic Games. And, and I was wondering how you originally came to get involved with the Junior Olympic Games, or at least you, you, did you um, bid on the games to come to? We The first games that we got involved with was in 1995, and uh, we went to Aurora, uh, Colorado, okay. and bid on the games. I remember that. And uh, um, we had uh, also, we've had some national basketball tournaments um, and sure. some national baseball, boys and girls in national baseball and even one volleyball tournament before it went to Disney uh, that we've had in Des Moines, Iowa. And our Visitors and Convention Bureau, um, we really formed a relationship with them in <clears throat> the um, uh, early 90s. Okay. And uh, they were, that was kind of when sports were kind of taken off that uh, yeah. CVBs were starting to um really get involved and uh yeah we formed a relationship with our visitors convention bureau and okay. they were very supportive of us of helping and, us to to bring and, uh, and, these and, national and, and events. with reason um you know we've yes. seen it all over from city and, to city you know yes. it's a reliable you know because 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 families now are that's their vacation many yes. times it's centered around what athletic activity their their, their, their children are, are doing, doing in the summer their kids are doing yeah yes. absolutely i really enjoyed interviewing Teresa. who's up next marley next we go to heather olmstead the coach for byu yep women's volleyball coach in utah the beehive state let's hear it from heather so you're part of a miracle twin team yeah and and do you mind going over the story about um, how that all came to be because it's, sure. it's, 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 it was very inspirational. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to BYU TV yeah. because they really did great work on that, yeah, on that talk. The series called Deep Blue and mm -hmm. you can just Google it, Deep Blue and, and BYU TV did a wonderful job and was able to highlight my mom. So actually my mom's story because she was pregnant yeah. with me, myself and my twin sister at the time um, and about 15, 16 weeks along and she got a cough and she went to the doctor and they said, you have a a tumor in your lung and you need to you get you need to abort these babies and uh, or else you won't live um, they're gonna die you're gonna die you're all gonna die if you don't do something and you need to to do this now and so they wow. wanted to find a doctor that was similar to our faith and so my dad was really courageous in making that decision and wanted to talk to somebody that could give him some different guidance and and they found that in a, in a doctor who's our president of our church named President Nelson and he said don't touch those babies um, the Lord and I will decide what to do with those babies. Wow. And he, he was able to perform on my mom and take out the tumor. And uh, obviously we were able to be delivered and the, born the, and the saved the our lives. The story about that where he has to go in and, and stop yeah. the artery and then go one-handed on yeah, it. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. It's almost like a crazy athletic story. Like he's that skilled. Yeah, yeah. and he right? says he's never. To be able to go in and like, I've never done never this before. Never done that but before, I never again. This. And uh, it was a one-time thing and obviously saved my, my life, my sister's life and my mom's life. And he, he says that never again or have I ever had ever had my finger, you know, holding on to three lives at one time. And so it's pretty wow. cool. So obviously it's just a great, great story. And then my mom was able to go on and have two more two more children, two little sisters after that. That's 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 got to create this baseline, you know, this yeah. this sense of strength in, in your family. Yeah, my mom's pretty amazing. And what she's she's been through, obviously, just having seven kids alone and then dealing with that. Uh, tumor and then um, has had some other health issues that she's just really battled through you know that she she contracted 
hepatitis C through giving birth with some blood transfusions, and she's a rock star, doing doing Heck great yeah. now, living great life, healthy. So we're grateful. I would imagine that's got to give all of you that you're whether you're competing or whether you're coaching. Um, I don't know, sense of strength. Yeah, and just perspective on life, and and seeing what my parents, mom and dad, did for us. Now that I'm older, I can see the sacrifices they mm-hmm. made for us to have a good childhood and to have everything that we needed, whether it was braces or club volleyball or mm-hmm. playing in tournaments. And it was just incredible that they were willing to do to, to just help us have fun and enjoy and be successful and be able to go on to college. We had four out of seven of us played collegiate like, volleyball. Yeah. Two, uh, two sisters play at BYU, a brother at BYU, and then I went to Utah State. So wow. volleyball's in our blood. We just love it. And again, it wasn't forced on us. It's, it's just a unique family situation where we're just we're strengthened by the sport. So you, um, you know, you finish up at Utah State. I know you played four years there. I think uh, yep. you did quite well. Yeah, it was fun. All, were you the conference MVP? No, I or was close to it. Or you were like no, a, you I don't know. I was just a piece. Yeah, I dug, yeah. dug a lot of balls. There it is. There it is. Yeah, all time. And then what? How'd you find your way over to BYU? Yeah, so I was able to go play professionally for a year after I played at Utah State. Went to Croatia. Loved it. And uh, got into my coaching profession at Utah State. Burt Fuller, who's another mentor, said, do you want to come back and coach? And I said, no. And he says, are you sure? My dad was a coach. I never thought about coaching. <laughs> and he convinced me. And he said, you can stick around the game and have all these great experiences and mentor these young women. And so I did it and got hooked. And after three years, I went to University of Utah, learned from Beth Lanier, and got a great opportunity there from 05 to 11. And then in 11, my brother hired 11. me at BYU to come help him. So were you there when? And the football team went undefeated? Um, I was close like, to it. I can't remember. What right? year was that? I, it was was around, it five or six? It was five or six. Yeah. That's when Urban Meyer they've was had, there. Yeah, they've, so, they've had a couple so, good So you've years. had an affiliation with all three of the schools in Utah. There. I have, yeah. What are you, what's your story when BYU-Utah State showdowns in football? Yeah, it's funny. People always ask me, and I'm, I'm an Aggie. I'm always going to be an Aggie at heart, you know, but I'm also <laughs> always loyal to who pays my bills. So... <laughs> That's what I like to say. That makes a lot of sense. So now you're um, you're coaching, and how did you make your way to BYU? Because your brother was uh, yeah. Now was your did I hear that your brother was head coach of both at one point or coached on? Nope. Both? The okay. men and women. Yeah. No. So in eleven, he became the BYU women's head coach, and I was at the University of Utah, and so he asked me to come help him build that program, and he had a great vision for what he saw BYU turning into and the mm-hmm. potential. And I knew all the kids they were getting, I knew what they could do, so he got me on board. So in eleven, I came over and, and was able to work with him, and for four years we worked together, and we went to the national championship game against Penn State in fourteen. Yep. And then in fifteen, saw he that. got hired as the men's coach, and okay. so Chris McGowan retired, and Sean got that job, and they offered me the women's job so I've been at BYU as the women's head coach since 2015. Done all right. It's been fun. I saw you get kids. your national coach of the year last year. I got great and kids. I was like, oh, that's Rick's And a girl. great staff, yeah. Um, the, I don't know if you'd call it the BYU way and, and again, like this um, podcast isn't, just so you know, it's not necessarily volleyball based. It's yep. like sports based. So for sports fans that are listening, yep. can you explain a little bit about BYU's you know, tradition and blocking, and also yeah. about the gold medal squared, yeah. and how you how you put that into the cur- curriculum of, yeah. of what you teach. Carl McGowan, who's also another mentor. I mean, you brought up mentors early, and that was early in my life. The ones I mentioned, and I've had many since: Burt Fuller, Beth Lanier, my brother, uh, Carl McGowan, Chris McGowan, that have influenced me later in my coaching careers. And so, Carl's a longtime BYU 
a men's head coach, won a couple national championships with BYU, yep. and he's influenced many people with his his curriculum and Gold Medal Squared, which is the company that he built. And really, it's it's a it's a opportunity to teach coaches how to teach volleyball in simple formats, simple principles, and be able to make the movements repeatable in volleyball since okay. volleyball is quite complicated in nature. It's not a very mm -hmm. easy sport to pick up and play. It's very hard, to, a lot of time training, hand-eye coordination. And so he was able to create this um, business and he has just been able to do the absolute amazing things with it. And so I've been able to learn from him and it's just kind of carried on through the BYU um, men's and women's programs. And so yeah, blocking they, is, I don't even know what it the, is the about da blocking. The data shows it. I don't know what it is. It's like the weirdest thing. The data shows it, though. Like yeah. that's, that's what the men and the women both do particularly well. Yeah, you know, he's, he, he has since passed away, but he used to tell stories about how he would spend so much time on blocking and then realize he was one in... 30 and blocking didn't matter and so he started to look into other things that you should train that would correlate to winning more than blocking okay and the blocking just kind of stuck and i think that comes along with being able to serve tough and get your opponents out of system and so byu is also known as just really good serving teams and so being able to serve tough and put pressure on mm -hmm. other teams is going to help your block and i think that's a little bit about it too do you find not only something along those lines but something i know just coming up in volleyball and then just coaching my kids at, or any kids it's serving and, and passing. For sure. It's serving and passing. Yeah, people get so bored from us coaches <laughs> saying that, and it's just there's no other way to go around it. If you can't serve and put pressure on someone, they're going to side out an enormously high clip. And if you're not able to side out yourself, you're going to lose. So there's really no way to get away from the serve-pass answer as far as what are the two most important skills, you know, no. whether whatever order they're in, it's going to be serve and pass. And after that, it's can you go hit high and hard and attack and side out? Uh, at a high level, and, and that's going to get you a lot of wins. I like the, um, the concept, like in basketball, the logo of the NBA. Mm -hmm. is, is, that's a picture of Jerry West. Yeah. But I always liked that it was him controlling the ball. It wasn't somebody dunking the ball yeah. or blocking the ball or anything. Yeah. It was like of the control of the ball. And when I worked briefly with USA Volleyball and we were starting the beach thing, I found pictures that I had clipped out of the paper of Karch passing from when he was younger to when he's older, and it always looked the same. Yeah. And that's the logo we went with because of how important the pass is. It's incredible. I mean, my dad would tell me stories. He coached Karch Karai, you know that, right? Santa right. Barbara High. He would tell yeah, us stories growing up. So was he the, like the coach? He was the, the high, head, coach? head high school coach, yeah, when they won the state championship Come in 78 on. or something. I knew he coached there. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, he was Karch's Car high school coach. Oh, look out. He would always tell us stories about Karch and how Karch was the hardest worker and that seriously Karch would be running around the gyms shagging balls in the middle of the drill and my dad would be like what are you doing he's like well if, if we never have to stop and shag we never have to stop the drill we can just keep playing so I'm trying to keep balls if he wasn't on the court at the time my dad was like I've wow, never seen a more intense shagger so we didn't have to stop we could just play volleyball all day <laughs> that's only, it's like well what about water breaks <laughs> Heather's got a great story. Who's next, Marv? Next, we go to our volleyball standout, Catherine Plummer. Oh, yeah, the uh, 2019 Sullivan Award winner from Stanford, a three-time champ, two-time national player of the year Incredible. from the Golden State of California. E each year, it was so fun to watch the NCAA women's volleyball. And while we have a lot of people that are volleyball fans, to watch the Catherine, um, you know, each year, Raj, or in Italy. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Yeah, Raj. Thanks, Bob. Catherine, um, you know, 
each year it was so fun to watch the NCAA women's volleyball. And while we have a lot of people that are volleyball fans that, that are watching the show, there's there's also a wide range of sports. And and one of the you know wide range of sports fans. One of the things I always found so fun about the Final Four was the the arenas were constantly packed. All of the hotels, you know, the bars, the restaurants, everything's packed. You know, there's so many fans there that convene. It's got to be a great feeling when you guys roll in there. It's got to be so exciting. Yeah, it's really fun. That's kind of the best part about the Final Four, honestly. Like, volleyball is great, but there's so many other things that go along with it that make it way more special. Um, so, like, all the media attention that we get, having our, all of our families there, like you said, all the hotels and restaurants and bars being completely full of people, and then, like, walking into the stadium and seeing over 15,000 people, like, watching your sport. It's really cool. Uh, what t Take us behind the scenes a little bit. Um, what's, like, the typical day? So, I know um... – you know, Thursday is one of your semifinal games, right? And then Friday is that that banquet where it's an all-American banquet. And then Saturday, so what does it like a Thursday look like? Like, do you guys do a pre-practice? What's your pre-game routine, pre-meal, that kind of stuff? I'm sure people would be interested in that. So Wednesday actually is kind of when it all starts. Um, so mm -hmm. Wednesday is where they do like all the photo shoots and the video that they're going to broadcast on TV. And so that's kind of fun to be pampered and be like. Like, feel like you're special. Like, you're getting your video taken. It's really fun. Um, and then that night is the Final Four banquet. And so all four teams come and, like, have a meal. And there's a big video about every team. It's fun. And then Thursday, it usually starts. Like, we wake up, have a team breakfast. And then we go to practice at the arena. We get to practice in the arena. And then we come back, have a team lunch, usually watch some more film, and then have a big break for me before every game I have to have a Starbucks so I find a Starbucks near me and I go find one um, either walk or like Uber there um, and then go off on the team bus and it's really fun so that's a Thursday and then Friday the banquet is usually in the earlier morning so when you're an All-American you go earlier than the rest of your team and so everyone meets you there and it's a fun time um, so then the banquet and then after you have to like kind of switch modes and if you're playing in, on Saturday, you have practice right after the banquet, and so you go do that. Um, and then we usually, Stanford at least had like a team meal, like a fancier yeah. team meal that kind of got us ready and a little bit a little bit of extra motivation to be like, okay, if you get to Saturday, you have a nice, good meal. Um, and then Saturday, same thing pretty much as Thursday. You have a morning breakfast, practice, uh, team lunch you scout more and then there's a longer break and then saturday is a little bit more special because you get like a, a police escort to the stadium oh, all nice. the there, like in a tunnel like all the fans and family are oh, like they walk us in and give us high fives so you feel like a rock star <laughs> that's awesome um i one of the documents we're rolling to the right is all of your accomplishments and i think i think that's just your 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 freshman year uh, <laughs> Eventually, we'll get to your, your sophomore year. No, I say that about your freshman year because um, that year, I think it was around, you know, a third through the season or something like that, you switched positions. Yeah. And um, so I think you moved to the uh, the outside, and so you certainly started to pass the ball a lot more. And um, and then it ended up with an NCAA title. Um, was that was that a position you you'd kind of hoped to play from the start, or did that just fall into place? Oh, no. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Remember, I played club volleyball. And I was an opposite in a setter. So in the front row, I hit on the left side. Or in the front row, I hit. In the back row, I set. And so in rotation one, I had to hit on the left side. And every time, I absolutely dreaded it. And my parents were like, oh, no, don't setter. Um, so when I told my family that I had to, our team needed me to play outside. And I was like, 
mom and dad, like, they're, I need to play outside. And they literally laughed. They're like, <laughs> you're kidding. <laughs> like, no, like, I'm serious. <laughs> um, and so it was definitely an adjustment, but I've played beach all growing up. And so yeah. I think, like, that passing component definitely helped me. Um, I'm, it's still a work in progress, but I yeah. would say playing beach if you can for sure yeah yeah i was gonna say i mean i think um you know that's something that that those of us that's how you play beach knew um everybody else might have been freaking out a little bit but we were like hmm, she's, she's had plenty of repetitions and i bet she can do that i was still freaking out but I had <laughs> under my belt. <laughs> um what was, was there any differences in in like or, or what were the key differences in each of the years um because e each year is a little bit different that you make a run to a title and I suppose each of them are, you know, sweet in their own way. But maybe you could you could tell me a little bit about like, or tell us, you know, what what was different or unique about each each championship. Yeah. So my freshman year, I don't think any of us expected to get that far. Um, we were kind of we were very naive, I would say. Um, we just had Inky; she was like our leader, and then it was four freshmen that started, wow. and we didn't really know what was going on. And so we're like, okay, like we'll just follow you. Like it's fun. It's all fun. Like let's just play volleyball. Um, and I think that, like, just passion for volleyball, like, really helped us win that because we didn't know what was going on. We were just like, we're like, okay, we're just going to play volleyball. Let's do it. Um, and then our sophomore year, that ride, like, we were kind of coasting through Pac-12 preseason. And then we got to the final four in the semis, and it didn't go our way, which was a bummer. But um, I think that was a good season to be like, okay, even though you do well, during a conference and during pretty much the majority of the NCAA tournament, like if you don't have a good game, like it's not going to go your way. Right. Um, and that was definitely a learning experience for the next year. So the next year we came out really hot. Uh, we had a tough preseason and then we went undefeated in the, in Pac-12 um, and then kind of coasted through the tournament. Um, and then we got to Nebraska and we're like, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a full stadium. Um, and it was all, right. It was Nebraska versus Stanford, so everyone was wearing red. And so we were like, okay, everyone's cheering for us. It might as well, like, take it in that way. And, like, everyone's here cheering for Stanford. And that was kind of our mentality going into it that if we play our best, well, if we play good volleyball, like, we'll have a good chance of winning just because, like, we know we're a good team. We know that we match well against them. So we're like, okay, um, let's just play and not worry about it. And then I think this year the path to – the final was way different than anyone had expected. Um, so we were rolling through preseason uh, pre like we did really well. Um, we lost two games in preseason, but we had a really hard preseason. And then conference comes and we win our first game and then lose to Washington and it kind of felt weird. And then I didn't play for 10 games. And so that was just a different experience that no one expected to happen. Um, and then I got back and for me personally, like. I said it in a bunch of, with a bunch of people, but like, you don't really know what you're missing until it's gone. And so like, I think when I came back, my mentality was, oh my gosh, like, volleyball is just so much fun. And like, I think I was putting way too much pressure on it and like, oh, I had to be perfect. And then when I came back, I just appreciated it more. Nice. Um, so definitely my mindset going into it. Like, I love volleyball. I'm like, why am I taking it so seriously? Like, it's, it's serious. It's like what I like to do and I want to win, but like, it, there's no point in not having fun. So that was kind of my mentality going into that. Tell me a little bit about the difference um, in play going over, you know, seas and playing pro international and, and NCAA. Like, what are some of the things besides, like, the travel that you got to get used to? Yeah, so 
I think the main difference in international and college is just the girls have been playing for way longer. They have a lot more experience and pretty much everyone there has been playing for numerous years in that system. So like the Italian league is a majority of Italians. So like they know that Italian system and it's different than American. Um, and so I think that would be the main difference is just adapting to that and then having a language barrier. So you have another thing that you have to get through and then being away from home is challenging. But I think the style of play, like it's volleyball. Um, the girls serve harder, they hit harder, they're bigger mm -hmm. than college. And so that's something they have to get used to. But I think it like it definitely grows you as a player. And I think I was there for two, not even two months. And I think I got a lot better. So I'm excited to have a full season, hopefully soon. All right, one of the great athletes we know is Catherine. Another one coming up, Mar. Yeah, one of my favorite sports, uh, basketball. We go to Sabrina Ionescu. Oh, Sabrina, the part of the 2K, 1K, 1K group. And she's from the, the only one. She's the only one, that's right, from the Beaver State in Oregon. Here's Sabrina. Sabrina Ionescu, basketball. On one memorable day in February, Oregon point guard Sabrina Ionescu eulogized her friend, hoops legend Kobe Bryant by morning, then hopped a plane and by night set a career mark no male or female collegian had ever reached. 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 1,000 assists. So it figures that the only member of the 2K, 1K, 1K club piled up everyone's Player of the Year award and also led the Ducks to their first ever Final Four. With little left to prove, her magical collegiate career was punctuated emphatically. The New York Liberty selected her as the number one overall choice in the 2020 WNBA draft. Academically, Sabrina graduated from Oregon in three years with a degree in general social science. She's now pursuing a master's in advertising and brand responsibility. All right, Sabrina, quick on your feet. You already reloaded and you're back in. Hopefully we can hear you a little bit better. Can you hear me better? Way better, man. See, coachable, you gotta be coachable. You know, these are how these yeah. things happen. <laughs> Speaking of which, tell me about some of the influences in your life, some of the coaches that, that really helped you get to this point. Um, I mean, I'd probably say my AAU coach and high school coach, Kelly Sopak, was a huge influence in my life. And then uh, leaving and going to Oregon, I'd say the entire coaching staff there, from my head coach, Kelly Graves, to Mark Campbell, to um, Jody Berry and, and Chavi Lopez. They're huge influences in my life. And uh, I mean, great coaches and just great people. Uh, speaking about the U of O, was the fact that the uh, mascot was a duck an attractive part of it for you? Or did you just have to get over the hump on that one? I love ducks. So I thought it was cool showing up to games and, and having that big mascot chase you around. And so I'm a fan of the duck. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It is a lot of fun up there. Hey, uh, Sabrina, I happened to be at the um, Kobe Memorial. I was moved by a lot that went on that day, but I was in particular really moved at your words. And then, um, you know, later that day, you had to head up and, and play a big game in Stanford. I could imagine you were exhausted at the end of that day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it wasn't easy. Um, flew in that uh, the night before and um, was able to just try and prepare and then get ready to get on stage and, and say, you know, a speech for the both of them. And then, you know, having to kind of, you know, change my mentality and get to that game. 
um, you know, against Stanford, against the top team wasn't easy, but I was able to, to rely on my teammates and my coaching staff to help me. And then, you know, being able to win and then go home and kind of relax was, was nice. I'll bet. I'll bet. 2K, 1K, 1K. That's an impressive club to be part of, but kind of must be lonely. You're the only one there. That said, um, we hope to be back in New York next year for these Sullivan Awards. You're going to be there playing for the Liberty. Uh, hoping that you'll jump over to the New York Athletic Club and join us for the ceremony. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, hopefully this all goes away. We can get back to living our lives, and I'll be in New York, so I'll definitely stop by, hopefully. That was fun having Sabrina on the show. Who's next? Next, we have Evita Graskinas, USA Gymnastics. That's right, from the land of Lincoln, Illinois. Evita Grishkinas, Rhythmic Gymnastics. The most decorated athlete of the 2019 Pan American Games, Evita Grishkinas won four golds and a bronze in the competition, taking home the Next Gen Female Athlete Award in the process. And with her performance at the World Championships, she earned a spot on the Team USA roster for the now delayed Tokyo Olympics. It is a lot of success at a young age, but perhaps not surprising when you consider that Evita took up the sport at three years old and was hooked. What followed was a rapid climb through junior, national, and international competitions until she can now call herself an Olympian. Evita is a graduate of Carl Sandburg High School in her native Chicago area, where she was an honors advanced placement student and was named an Illinois State Scholar. Hi, Evita. Hello. Did anybody that you can remember butcher your name as bad as I did right there? Hmm, tough question. <laughs> <laughs> right out of the gate, right out of the gate. Um, congratulations on your successes. I have a question for you. What, what um, don't most people understand about your sport? Uh, I think quite a few people have the misconception that it's just a dance with ribbon where you, there's nothing wrong with dancing with a ribbon, of course. Uh, but they, I think, sometimes misunderstand the amount of training that goes into it, including the strength training and conditioning and um, so many other aspects of the sport. And I think sometimes they're overlooked. Well, you, you know, it's got to make you proud to be nominated amongst the, the, the top athletes. Uh, tell me a little bit about some of the people that helped you get to this position. Oh, wow. Right at it with the hard questions. <laughs> There's a lot of people. Uh, for one, I guess my family, um, because they're the ones who support me no matter what and no matter what I do. And they've always been there for me and they listen to my ups and they cheer me with my downs. Oh, that was incorrect. They cheer me with my ups and they listen to my downs. There we go. That sounded really bad. <laughs> my apologies. Um, and then I'd like to say that my coaches, of course, because uh, my coach Natalia Klimuk and uh, Angelina Yovcheva and uh, Danny, they have been with me since I was four years old and they've held my hand through all of the levels and steps uh, that I've had to take, uh, both small and big. And of course, uh, all of my friends and teachers and just everyone who's really supported me on this journey because it's sometimes difficult with school and to have wonderful support from the academic community is really important. That was that was well said. Um, I bet it's gotta be tough to be training during this this quarantine er era. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what training you do at this time? Of course, um, so it's really interesting. I'm working out of my basement, which is slightly not ideal. 
Um, typically in rhythmic gymnastics, we have uh, a carpet and we have a really, really high ceiling. Um, I tell you how many meters it is, but I'm not sure. Think of a basketball arena. That's something that we use when we compete um, to have a high ceiling for our tosses. So right now I'm working a lot on cross training. I'm working on uh, ballet, strength and conditioning, um, various high intensity interval trainings. We're working through Zoom with our uh, coaches and actually other rhythmic gymnasts and experts in the sport um, from all over the world. And uh, yeah, that's how it works. And when it's nice and sunny outside, although in Chicago it's been rainy recently, I try to go outside on the field by my house and do some tosses. All right, from Avita, we go to who? Uh, we go to Abby Whitesell, swimmer. Yep, Cal Berkeley, uh, again from the Golden State, but this time we'll say Eureka. Eureka! Abby Whitesell. Hi, Abby. Hi, how are you? Real good. Um, we're going to get your uh, video up after. Don't want you to feel slighted. <laughs> um, are you up north? Are you up north? Yeah, I'm in Berkeley. Very good. Hey, so you're a gold medalist in Rio, and then you win NCAAs. There, there's a lot that goes on in both. So give us um, a little perspective about being with an Olympic team and then being with an NCAA team and going back and forth between the two. Yeah, so I actually, um, you know, all I knew before, I didn't know what NCAAs was like. I went to the Olympics before I got to college. Um, I decided to defer my first year from Cal Berkeley in order to continue to train where I was for the 2016 Olympics. Um, and it ended up working out and I was able to come home with a gold and a silver medal um, and was able to final in one of my events and semifinal in my other. And it was an incredible experience. And coming into NCAAs, it was a completely different experience, but there's nothing like it. And it was so much fun. Um, I just finished my fourth year of NCAAs. Uh, unfortunately, didn't get to go due to uh, the pandemic going on. But yeah, it's totally different experience, but amazing, both of them, and wouldn't have changed it for anything. You know, um, you're also, Missy Franklin uh, is uh, Cal Bear. She won an Olympic gold and an NCAA, and she won an AAU Sullivan Award. What would it mean for you to, and I think she was the Honda Sullivan, I mean, the Honda uh, Swimmer of the Year, which you also were. So what would it mean to um, also bag the AAU Sullivan Award? It would be such an honor, honestly. I mean, I would be following in the footsteps of so many incredible athletes, and a lot of them, um, you know, like you said, Missy Franklin, um, there has won this award and there were so many other Cal swimmers before me that are just legends and so many athletes that have won this award. So just an incredible honor to even be nominated and next to all the athletes with me tonight, um, it's just, it would be amazing. I've asked the other athletes what it's like training in this era of the quarantine. And uh, so we wanna ask you as a swimmer, what, what, uh, what's, what, what are the different parameters for you? It's definitely a challenge. You don't have a pool that you can just get into most likely. So definitely just doing a lot of different dry land experiences, making up some on my own, doing some off the internet, you know, working on flexibility, yoga, um, anything I can get my hands on, you know, improvising with weights. So it's definitely hard. I uh, can't really touch like a ball or anything that uh, a lot of other sports can, but it's uh it's a challenge, but you know, it, everything works out and everyone's in the same position. So looking forward to when I can get back in. As a, um, as an athlete, you certainly uh, know the drill, but you're now a youth coach. Tell us a little bit 
about switching gears and the difference between, you know, being an athlete and being a coach? Um, I'm not a coach. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> um, Hilarious. Just, yeah, I just switched out of my NCAA season, still swimming um, as a professional athlete now. So, you know, my researcher almost hit all the numbers. <laughs> um, so uh, let me check with my director real quick, Abby. Do we have an opportunity to play her um, highlight video? Yes. Abby, we get a chance to play your highlight video, but I want to say uh, bye to you first. You might want to think about coaching, just saying. And, um, and best of luck tonight. Thank you so much. Nice. Okay, let's look at the video of her swimming, not coaching. Abby Weitzel, swimming. By the time she set foot on campus in Berkeley, Abby Weitzel was already a double Olympic medalist for Team USA, taking home from Brazil a gold and silver in the relays, plus a seventh and a twelfth in the 150 free. Once at Cal, she promptly added to her already golden resume. At the 2019 NCAA meet, Abby claimed four titles individually in the 50 free, plus she anchored three Bears relay teams to wins. And the honors kept adding up. Cal's Most Outstanding Swimmer, Pac-12 Conference Swimmer of the Year, and recently the capper, the 2020 Honda Award as the top female swimmer in the country. Abby is also the first woman in the world to ever go under 21 seconds in the 50-yard freestyle, posting a time of 2090. In the classroom, Abby is set to graduate from Cal in 2020 with a degree in public health. We are fortunate to meet so many great athletes at the Sullivan Awards. Who's next, Marley? Yeah, we were. Another great athlete, uh, Dana Redke from Wisconsin. That's right. That would be America's uh, Dairyland. Also, the Badger State. Dana Redke, volleyball. At six foot eight, Dana Redke is the tallest player in the history of Wisconsin volleyball, and she may be the best. A three-time All-American and the defending Big Ten Conference Player of the Year, she played her way onto Team USA, where in the summer of 2019, she was the youngest player on a squad that won the Volleyball Nations League and a coveted berth in the Tokyo Olympics. For her career, Dana is at or near the top in just about every UW statistical category. Kills, kills per set, total blocks, blocks per set, points, and points per set. She led the Badgers to three NCAA tournament appearances, highlighted by a run to the national championship match in 2019. For her efforts, Dana was named to the all-tournament team. As for school, she's on track to graduate, majoring in marketing with a certificate in education studies. Okay, uh, from Riverside, Illinois, that's where uh, Dana Retke calls home. I think that's where we're going. Let's go say hi to Dana. Hi, Dana. Hello, how are you? Very good. It, it was I right? Are you right outside of Chicago there? Yes, I am right now. Um, last year, I had an opportunity to be in Pittsburgh and watch you get to the finals of the NCAAs where, where you lost to Stanford and Catherine Plummer. And I'm just wondering, do you think because she won the Sullivan Award, that gave them an advantage in the championship game? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Um, they played a fantastic game. And um, just being at the Final Four um, for my first time, and then the third time in school history for us at Wisconsin was just an amazing opportunity. And um, hope to be back there again next year. Just got to soak up all the fun and uh, be with my teammates. So, yeah, it was an awesome experience. I want to compliment you on your background right there. 
That's a, a few medals. Did you do you put any medals up there? Not for first place. Um, honestly, I don't know. To be honest, we <laughs> yeah. these are both me and my sister from a while ago. So nice. Okay. Hey, tell me a little bit about. I know you you spent time with the national team. What was the biggest adjustment going from NCAA to to the national level? Yeah, um, the biggest adjustment I think going to play with the national team is just the speed of the game. Um, it's just a lot faster to pick up on a bunch of little cues that um, you don't necessarily have to do at um, the college level yet. Um, so it's something I've definitely been exposed to and been working on um, now and going forward. So yeah, it was an amazing experience. Um, definitely an honor to be on that team and to hopefully work with them in the future. So yeah. You know, in a, in a team sport like you're in, it's got to be particularly difficult to stay in shape and train for your sport. What do you, you know, during this during this era of quarantine, what, what do you do to stay in shape and, and how do you get your repetitions? Yeah, so right now um, I'm actually doing some at-home workouts in my living room with my sister, which has been really fun. Um, unfortunately, here in Chicago, it's been pretty rainy for the past four days. So um, haven't been able to do a whole lot outside. Um, but when it's nice, I definitely go outside and I'll just throw a ball up on the roof and work on some ball handling and also some hand contacts. Because um, you can always get better at that stuff and it's pretty easy to do. So that's what I'm doing right now. Nice. That's got to that's gotta bring you back to being a youngster when you, those are the kind of repetitions you had to get to catch up with everybody. Absolutely. Um, right. Hey, yeah. Dana, thanks for, thanks for being on. Best of luck tonight. It's a pleasure watching you play this, this past Final Four. Of course. Thank you so much. Okay, we move from volleyball back over to gymnastics. Who do we got? Yep, we got Kyla Ross. Mm-hmm, from UCLA, part of that fierce five in the Olympics. Another one from the Golden State. How about the El Dorado State representing? Kyla Ross, gymnastics. An Olympic champion at 15, Kyla Ross was part of a U.S. gymnastics squad dubbed the Fierce Five, which won the team competition at the 2012 London Olympics. Next stop, UCLA, where Kyla set numerous records and won NCAA titles in every individual event. She became the first to deliver two gym slams in the same season. That is, at least two perfect tens in each discipline. During her time in Westwood, Kyla collected four individual national titles, and in 2018, she led the Bruins to their seventh NCAA team crown. And she's the only female gymnast in history to join this club. She can claim NCAA world and Olympic gold. Achievement carries over to her schoolwork as well. Kyla is finishing her degree in molecular cell and developmental biology. In her free time, she'll serve as a volunteer assistant coach for next year's team. Okay, let's head uh, south of where we are right here uh, into Orange County area. Lisa Viejo. Yep, that was where Catherine Plummer is from. Hi, Kyla. Yeah, me and Catherine actually uh, went to the same high school. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And my sister now, played high school volleyball with her, so it's kind of cool. Oh, that's real cool. Well, maybe that's some good luck for you. <laughs> um, Kyla, um, you won a gold medal at the age of 15. That's got to be overwhelming. And uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, who helped you and how did you keep all of that in perspective? Yeah, training for the Olympics was something that I'd always dreamed of uh, starting gymnastics at three years old. And um, luckily for me, I had really amazing coaches um, in Costa Mesa named Howie and Ginny. And I trained with them for 11 years in total. And they really just helped me 
get my gymnastics to where I needed it to be to make that Olympic team. Um, and of course my family, I wouldn't be where I am today without their support, their sacrifices and um, them just helping me along the way. It, the uh, 2012 medal team was known as the Fierce Five. Um, when I was a kid, I was a Los Angeles Rams fan and they had the Fearsome Foursome. I think a nickname can fire you up. Tell me a little bit about that side of being on a, uh, on a gymnastics team and, and being part of a team. Yeah, I think growing up in gymnastics, you're used to the individual side of it. I think so when you're going into a team competition like the Olympics, um, just having that support from the other girls was super special. And I think, like you said, just having that nickname, I think, helped us and feel kind of like we were uh, invincible going up and competing on that stage. You compete at um, UCLA and there's a tremendous legacy there. Valerie Condos is a legendary coach and now you're playing uh, or you're competing under uh, Chris, I think it's Chris Waller. Um, can you tell me a little bit about um, both coaches? Yeah, coming into to UCLA, um, I'd heard so much about Ms. Val and being from SoCal, I grew up going to the UCLA meets. So it definitely was an honor to be coached by her and just not only to learn things inside the gym, I feel like I grew and learned so much outside of the gym. Um, and then transitioning this year into Chris, I think he's kind of like our team dad and um, we all kind of rallied behind him and he rallies behind us. So it's been really cool to see him handle his first year at UCLA. There's been a lot of uh, gymnasts that have been nominated for the award, uh, three that have won. What would it mean to win the AAU Sullivan Award? Oh, it would be it would be a huge honor. I think just seeing the history of this award and all the amazing athletes that have won it and been nominated would be super cool to be among that class. All right, great having Kyla on. Next up. Next, we have Megan Taylor, our one and only lacrosse player on our show. Yep, that's what they do in Maryland, and that would be the Free State. They're free to play lacrosse. <laughs> Megan Taylor, lacrosse. Megan Taylor capped her legendary career at UMD, blazing a trail through her sport with a body of work that'll be tough to surpass. She became the first goalie to ever win the Tawaraton Award, given to the nation's top player. And she's also the first athlete from her sport to become a finalist for this honor, the AAU James E. Sullivan Award. But Megan might be more proud of her team's success, Twice she helped the Terrapins climb the biggest mountain and claim two national championships in her time in College Park. The Terps won 84 of 88 games with her in the nets as she posted a 5-12 save percentage and stopped 740 shots overall. Megan graduated from UMD with a degree in sociology and currently serves as a volunteer assistant at the U.S. Naval Academy. If I'm not mistaken, we're going to head to Maryland and say hello to Megan. Let's bring her in. Hi, Megan. Hi. Welcome. Um, so no goalie had won the Player of the Year Award until you. Do you feel like your position is overlooked in the sport of lacrosse? Um, not exactly. I think just lacrosse in general is a team sport. So my team really helped me out. And I think they know that I won that because of them. What, do, um, what, what part of the sport or what do you love most about the sport of lacrosse? Oh my gosh, um, that's a hard one. I guess everything. I love the speed of it. I think it's growing. That's why it's so cool to be nominated to grow the sport. It's really fast. It's really exciting. Um, the shot clock kind of has a little um, bit of basketball in it. All these different sports combined. 
um, just everything. I guess the team aspect and like the goalie aspect, the pressure of it. I like that. You've won two NCAA titles. It's it's fun to ask uh, NCAA champions when you knew at that moment that you won. Tell us a little bit about that feeling and celebrating with your teammates. Oh, cloud nine. I want to go back. It was so awesome. Um, I guess when that clock strikes zero both times, having the team run to you and dogpile, it's just an unbelievable feeling. And to be able to hold the trophy after all the hard work your team puts in um, and that you put in, it's just really exciting. I don't know. Cloud nine. Couldn't ask for anything better. It's got to be tough doing some training uh, during quarantine, again, on a team sport. Tell me what you're doing to stay in shape. A little bit of golf, um, just kind of taking aside a little bit. Um, we have a putting hole in our basement, so it's kind of just taking a little step back from lacrosse during this time and working on the mental game with golf. <laughs> <laughs> That'll challenge you. That'll challenge yeah. you. What, what are you doing um, at the Naval Academy? Oh, yes. Um, I'm a volunteer assistant coach, and it's been an amazing experience. I can't say enough good things. Um, go Goats. Um, the Navy, it's just, they're such a welcoming group, and it's just been so awesome to help coach and get to share my love for the sport with these girls. Okay, up next, we got a two-for-one special. Yeah, we do. I guess when you're twins, you always get two-for-one specials here. So <laughs> Angel be. and Bella Ferrari Volleyball, they're at Georgia, aren't they? Yeah, they're Georgia State from the Peach State in Georgia. Here's Bella and Angel. All right. Hey, it's, it's my honor to welcome in the uh, 18, uh, 18s Junior Olympic Games, the AAU Junior Olympic Games, the most competitive tournament there is. Gold medal winners from um, on campus in Atlanta, Georgia, at Georgia State. Angel and Bella Ferrari. Hi. Hi <laughs> Welcome to the show. Did you like watching yourself there? Uh, <laughs> that was a good video. That I really like that. <laughs> found all those. <laughs> it was. And and I mean, that. Um, okay, so I think some of that footage was from your semifinal game when you played, what, Pater and Bulware. Yeah. And that was a crazy kind of epic game. Like that that game was, was unreal. And it was so fun how – the crowd just all convened around you guys. I think that went into extra points, but you guys ran down some balls that were that were pretty unreal. Yeah, I knew that was going to be a really good game. They're such a good team. They are a really good team. And they're so young. And they're they're going to be yeah. so good later. Yeah, I know. They, yeah, they did. They played, they played up on that one. Um, were, were you enjoying hearing from your coach there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Brian. I miss Brian. I didn't know he knew that much nice things about us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. He, he talked a little bit about you guys did the typical twin things. Like, does that mean you played some jokes and so forth? Oh, man. There, I mean, like, I think we were in a tournament once, like, just in our hometown in, like, Marietta, Kennesaw, Emerson, Georgia, like, at Lake Point. Um, there was one time where Angel set me, and she didn't say a word, and I hit it, and I went, good call. And, and Brian then Brian goes, went, he, she didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, tell me a little bit about, okay, so I, I want to set the table for everybody that doesn't know you. So you, you guys are identical twins, but you also have identical twin brothers. Yeah. Right? Joe yeah. and Gio, uh, Joseph and Giovanni, is that right? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that, that that's, your mom's knocking them out quick. That's, that's done, <laughs> I mean, right? You know? I know? I don't think she was expecting it, but yeah, here we are. <laughs> uh, and, and, yeah. and you also have three Huskies at your house? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> 
Yep. Are they uh, fair question? Are they triplets, the Huskies? Or? Okay, no. no. But we used no. to have two Huskies that were from the same litter earlier. But now we have three that are just they're all different together yeah just keeping it in the family tell me a little bit about how'd you guys get going in sports and like what was that path when you're when you're younger so um first off we our first sport was probably either tennis or basketball my dad was a tennis coach um through his college and that's how he met my mom he was her tennis coach mm. and that's that was like the first sport like we started playing tournaments and that's like you're gonna play tennis yeah and like okay <laughs> and we enjoyed it we we liked um tennis it was really fun and then um third grade we started playing basketball and um i wouldn't say we were the best at basketball but we enjoyed it so I mean, we were like everyone was like oh you guys are so quick you guys can get the ball anywhere and we're like okay i mean Thanks, but basketball is not my thing. But it was at the time. It, that's yeah. what it was at the time. Third grade on to ninth grade, we played one year of varsity um, basketball our freshman year. And then we realized that it's like you can get many injuries from basketball. <laughs> so our teammates tear their ACL, tore their ACLs in the same season. And we were so scared. We're like, I'm not getting hurt. I do not want to get hurt at all because I want to pursue volleyball. And yeah, in eighth yeah. grade, our seventh, our summer after our seventh grade year, our indoor coach from um, the club coach that we play with, Cobb Atlanta, um, we, he took us out and he was like, um, let's all go play beach. You don't have to like it, but I'm going to take you out and do this. Our mom forced us to go because we didn't want to go. We did not want to play beach volleyball because we were like, oh, it's so hot and there's sand everywhere. And we were forced to play beach volleyball. And then coming our um, our spring um, spring season of our eighth grade year, we played our first tournament and we didn't do too well. But then we realized that like we can pursue this and we can get better at this if we just work really hard. So but that was the time where like we weren't taking it too seriously. We just wanted to play it for fun. So earlier on, like eighth grade, ninth grade year, we weren't really thinking too much about like, oh, freshman, sophomore, junior year uh, and senior year of college, we're definitely gonna go play this. We did not think that far ahead until probably after our ninth grade year that um, after basketball and like we played that summer tournament and we went to our first nationals Mm. And we did pretty like decent for uh, people never playing in national. Oh, yeah, yeah. We won some. I'm gonna say we yeah. won some. <laughs> and um, but it was not. If you would not consider it good now, but we considered it good when we were 14. Like yeah, that was that was the best we've ever done. We're like, okay, I think we can do this thing. Let's let's try and get bids. Let's try and do as best as we can every single year. And then our freshman was our freshman or sophomore year. Freshman year for what? Oh, 14U into 16U. So that's freshman year, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we we played everything we could at Rally. We played everything we could um, up in at Beach South. Like, we played just local things. We never really traveled. We might have gone to Florida once or twice, but we were doing really good. I don't think we went um, less than semifinals in every tournament that we played. So we were like, okay. This is a thing. We're gonna go for this. And going into 16U, we did we did decent. We did yeah. good. We got bids to all of our nationals we wanted to go to. 
Um, we made gold bracket in all the nationals we wanted to. And then second year of 16U was one of our best years, yes, I believe. I think it was. That's when we actually started to realize that we can go farther than this. Let's we go definitely can. That's a thing. And then that's when we started our recruiting process was... I, I I, I like that path. I like, you know, I like that path because a lot of young athletes have to go through that same path where they kind of start in one sport and then they, then they eventually find their way. And then when it clicks, it clicks and it makes you want to do the work and it makes you want to get better and you, you enjoy those those steps along the way. So um, so you can help um, our listeners out, if not our producer and <laughs> our host. Um, how do people, one, tell you apart and two, like, so like I'm in the blue shirt today and I have my hair down today. So then let's start with that so that we can identify you. And then um, how do people kind of tell you apart? Like, how does that work? Um, well, I'm Angel. I'm in the blue. I'm Bella. Uh, I'm in the gray. <laughs> and um, my hair is down for now. <laughs> usually I wear a braid when we're playing, but I'm wearing a bun now. And okay. then I usually wear a bun, but I'm not. <laughs> She's not. So okay. we made it kind of difficult. Oh, um, it's okay. You <laughs> Usually people find a way to figure it out. Like some people say, oh, you're taller, but I'm like a millimeter taller than her. So I don't know how to figure that out. And then they're like, um, you, you have a deeper voice. You, or, yeah, you have a deeper voice or you have a smaller face. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then whatever some, you want. Um, one of the girls here at Georgia State, um, we were just, just sitting, sitting on, the couch. on the couch. And then all of a sudden she goes, oh man, you look different. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just like, freaked out. Okay. <laughs> How? It's just like, I don't know. It just looks different now. I'm like, okay, that's good. You know who I am yeah. now. That's fine. That's but literally, if anyone just says twin or Ferrari, both of us turn yeah. around, they just go, you. I'm like, okay. And, like, and when, when did it, like, okay, you guys have probably been always fast and, and you just got faster. Was there a, a, a point where you go, oh, Ferrari's a car that's fast too? Like, did somebody point that out to you? I think I heard that since birth from my father. <laughs> he was just like, always say, oh, we had to change our last name because we were copywriting the car or something. Or like our ancestors made the car. I'm like, it's like, oh, so we have to be fast. Okay. But then, yeah. My dad would play a lot of jokes on us, especially when we were little. He would just like say all this stuff and be like, oh, yeah. And then you get older and you're like, you're like, lying. Yeah. He was like, one time he was just like, oh, yeah, your grandpa? He founded that ice cream shop over there. We're like, oh, and then I, my dreams were crushed. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, wait. wait um, so we're coming to you right now. You're in your dorm at Georgia State. So you're in there, yeah. but but you're you can't go to classes quite yet. Is that right? Um. Well, freshmen. I think most of the freshmen like coming in are mostly online classes. Some are like blended. So. Um, some of it would be online, but you'll have a specific day where you go in in the classroom. Like my classes start all out on as blended, but then like as this like like two weeks came, before school started, they changed online. them all to online because they were like, oh, second wave of COVID is coming. We just shouldn't risk it. And um, Georgia State honestly is being really Very good, especially good. for us athletes. Like they're testing us every week and they're making sure that everyone is safe and our team has like had precautions made and we have like our little inner bubble little poster board that we have in the locker room and we're all talking about who we're allowed to hang out with under what circumstances like we're all just being super safe but it's worth it because we're at the college that we chose and we're here it's not like we're at home they didn't say oh you can't come to campus i'm just thankful that we're here 
and we can like go play whenever we can just hit up some of our teammates and they'll be like oh yeah sure let's go and then we'll meet them over there like, yeah georgia state is being used as a reference for most athletics in like bigger schools hmm. as for like testing and precautions and stuff like that so i found that very cool and very like calming to be here at this school okay we stay in the sport of volleyball for our final Lady on Galentine's Week. Yep. We go to Lexi Denenberg. She plays at UCLA, but she's from Florida. She's from Florida, and we know that's the Sunshine State. Yeah, we do. Talk a little bit about that transition from being indoor and beach and then choosing just the beach route or the indoor route, which, you know, a lot of fine athletes your age, you know, they have to do. They have to kind of make that decision now. Yeah. I think they're not supposed to what it used to be like. Yeah. I mean, I think it helped me, like, playing indoor as long as I did because I – got all my skills from indoor I guess and then when I wanted to transfer beach I could focus on that more and it's such a different sport than indoor like you really have to train your sand legs and like it's you have to be in different shape for beach so I could definitely see the difference like transitioning from like indoor to sand but then mm -hmm. once I was playing in the sand for a few weeks you start to like get your sand legs back and then you can start training for that but yeah it's definitely a lot different tell me a little bit about your coaches um that you came up with First, let's talk about, because I, I like always finding out, you know, some, some of the people that stick out. Like, who kind of recognized you? You come from an athletic family, mm -hmm. right? But who kind of recognized you, you know, outside of the family was like, you should play this sport or, you know, you're doing pretty well. So, and yeah. Um, so when I was younger, I was around like 10, 11, 12 years old. My sister actually played beach volleyball for Cape Coast and they were like running tournaments. So like ever since I was like that age, like I looked up to all those girls like that were older playing those tournaments and Darren Bolton like really helped me be like become the player I am today. And like he trained us so much and he loves us and he, he really loves the sport of beach volleyball and he over like he just overdoes it for us. And we're like, I'm so grateful for him because if I didn't have him, I don't think I would be the player I am today. Darren Bolton, um, is is you know he, he has the Cape Coast out here. He also runs beach volleyball tournaments. And he's part of the indoor club. You know just the whole scene out here. And so we lean on him as we operate our Junior Olympics of beach volleyball out here on the coast. Yeah, and it's great. And he spoke very highly of you, of course. Um, but he also you know he speaks about um, just his love of the sport and his love of the athletes that are really put that effort forward. And that's what I heard from a few people that I talked to. Uh, a lot about your effort and your character. Um, really come through where, where does, and the where does video that is ready from? to go up too Sorry, so, what? oh um we got a video ready to go up so let's take a look at that one uh from our uh from our crack staff back in the 7428 <laughs> and you can also follow up with uh that question after the video because it's perfect okay first started coaching indoor for her mother who runs our our indoor portion of Cape Coast Volleyball Club and uh, that's when I first met Lexi was Lexi was probably 10 years old I think somewhere right around there she was a tiny little thing and then from that point on Lexi was playing beach playing soccer playing indoor the kid's just uh, an athlete that stayed stayed busy she's she's a phenomenal soccer player she yep. was having really Early on, I mean, choose between trying to figure out a way to do soccer, indoor, and beach. Oh, wow. Now, the cool thing was, is we were, I was watching Lexi 
uh, play a high school match in a regional playoff, I believe it was, in yep. York. And my phone rang, and it was Stein. It was funny because that night, uh, we got approached by OVA. I did. They were like, why is Lexi, you know, they watched her play. Why is she not playing, you know, at our indoor club? We could get her scholarships for indoor. And I said, no, I think, you know, she just is getting reached out. She got reached out to by Stein Metz. Yeah, I think she'll be okay. <laughs> she'll be fine. She doesn't need to uh, get an indoor one because she wants to go beach. Uh, I've just been very blessed and Lexi is one of those one in a... I don't know how many, say 10, 20, 50, not for sure, but, you know, definitely an incredible kid. So my first time, well, I met I met her when she was like 11 because she was Connie's daughter. But the first time I actually coached her was uh, 13 and under indoor. What kind of player was she at, at 13? It's funny, she was this scrawny, skinny little outside hitter that was feisty, but very, very little. I think of all the players I've coached, if she's not number one, you know, she's right there when, when it comes to determination, when it comes to her drive to get better and her drive to make the best team that she can make. You know, not just herself, but, you know, her teammates. I mean, she's just a great leader, a great, you know, great teammate to have. She's a great person. You take pride in her being from this area? Oh, awesome. I, mean, I think it's awesome to be able to say I was talking to a couple people yesterday, I would think it was really cool to hear you guys, the California people, and hear how you guys talked about her and saying, like, that's awesome. Like, I know that. I know her. <laughs> I see it. I, you know, but to hear from people who don't know her like I do, it's cool to see, like, you know, she, you know, she's from Merritt Island. You know, I'm from Merritt Island. So it's awesome. Love it. Thanks, Diego. Yeah. So it's fun to see your coaches talking about you. I have such a good like bond and relationship with him still today and like I'm so grateful for him because my 15th year specifically it was one of the last um, years that I was playing indoor and he was coaching me along with coach Pete Klonowski and they I think they really took my like basic skills to the next level because that year our team was pretty good like we went to nationals we got third and mm. We honestly like had so much fun and it was just great to be able to be a part of that. But then even more, like I still have a relationship with them today. So that's awesome. It is awesome. You can, and you can tell, um, you know, from what little work I did just walking the beach and talking to different people, whether it was writers or administrators or whatever, they take pride in, in somebody from their area doing well. And uh, so there's gotta be, you know, you gotta feel good about that. Uh, representing uh, this area. Tell me a little bit about your um, playing soccer and how much consideration did you give to playing soccer in college? Um, I knew that I wanted to 100% play beach in college and like soccer wasn't really in my mind, but then I, um, my Stein actually talked to me about playing soccer at UCLA. Mm -hmm. And so I put a little thought into that and, but I just decided I wanted to go beach online because that's what I want to do. Like I love playing beach and I didn't really want to lose time on the beach because I had to be playing soccer and I didn't really want to sacrifice that time. So. And, and that seemed to pay off for you because you put the work in and you made the, and you're on the number twos team. So for those that don't necessarily understand collegiate uh, beach volleyball, because it's a relatively new sport in the in the college landscape. Uh, talk a little bit about it. You know, it's it's obviously opposite the indoor season in the spring. 
and talk a little bit about how the teams line up and how you compete. Yeah, so basically the teams are ranked um, seeds like one through five. So, and then there's an exhibition game, which is which are the sixes. Um, mm -hmm. So, usually upcoming to spring, we'll be playing like in fall. It'll be a lot of like drills and like um, just basic stuff, like practicing stuff. But then once we're about to get into season, we start playing like a lot, and he's like Stein starts making um pairs and like seeing who plays well together and right. all that stuff so once we're about to like we didn't even know our lineup like three days before our first game so like we like no one knew and like the week before we're like still competing for positions so yeah usually uh, then like our coaches will decide ones will usually be like the best team and then obviously like it goes down to five kind of like tennis yeah like it, tennis. like people might be familiar with how either high school or collegiate tennis goes yeah yeah and uh, so you're on the twos yeah. with Lindsay Sparks. Yeah. Also um, played in, in her share of AAU and as well as a lot of junior beach tournaments. Tell me what it's like playing with Lindsay. Lindsay is so unreal to play with. Like she's one of those people that she'll like get a ball up and you're like, how did you do that? But then like, I don't know, she likes, and she's just an awesome person too. Like playing with her is just so fun because her mental side of the game is so much more developed and it's just so cool to be able to learn from that and to be able to play with that so she was so much fun to play with there's um some travel that's involved because but you're in effect the conference is more or less the pac-12 teams um and so we'll talk a little bit about being on the campus of ucla and um do you feel the history that's there because ucla has this unique place in collegiate athletics not only have they had so many teams that have won championships but they've been on, on the, the right side of, of civil rights and of social change. They've, um, they've had, you know, everything from, you know, scholars and athletes that have really affected the world. And can you kind of feel that on that campus? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, just being around campus, it's like there's so many people that want to help you, and you can really feel that. And just going into the training room or even going into our – like where we get tutors or where our like our coaches offices are like so many people are just there to genuinely help you and it's awesome because like it's something you get told about like I got told that before I went to college like the people are just great but like it's something that I truly just started believing once I got there and like you can really feel how special it is on campus and I think it took me a little while to like get on my shell because I was like first like adjusting but then like once I did I got more comfortable on campus it was so much fun you were um you're out at our site today on Cocoa Beach and I noticed you're hanging in there and watching the 12s gold medal oh game oh my gosh <laughs> and I thought it was it was really nice because I, I could kind of tell like you remembered playing at that age oh yeah but they were so much better than i was at that age tell me a little bit about the game you were watching and just oh, like what were gosh. you thinking i they're well first of all they're huge yeah, i know and then like one of them i kind of like know one of them because his dad like did a little coaching with me but she like her shots are so good and i feel like i was not even like that <laughs> developed at that age, but I feel like I could walk under the net and these girls are like setting and hitting it. And like, it, it was so unreal to watch because I was, they were so good. They were, yeah, it, it, it's really interesting over the years to see um, the, the style of play. It just keeps working its way down the level. It used to be just like, sir, get it in, yeah. bump it back over. But now they're playing full game uh, with the full strategy involved. Um, so when you first came out to Southern California, that would have been like maybe four years ago, five years ago. Yeah. Were you um, 
you know, like uh, worried at all? Like where you're going, oh, maybe these girls are, are better than we are out here. Because I know a lot of people come out and they're like, whoa, it's Southern California. I think it was more of like I wanted to do as well as I could. So like obviously people didn't really know me and my partner, Riley. I love her. She's one of my best friends. But um, people didn't really know us. So then when we were able to play and like keep winning, it was just like, let's like keep going. Like this is fun. Let's go. Let's just keep going. And uh, and I bet you um, did you get. Did you, I know your coaches knew because you weren't seated. So your coaches were like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but did you have any idea what was going on at that age? Um, like, did you know that you were like beating some good teams and everybody was like, whoa, who's they? I think sometimes, like sometimes we knew we were beating good teams, but other times I think we didn't really know. And then like, we figured it out. Like after we, I think like our 15th year we were out there, we beat like two people that were committed somewhere. We were like so excited because we were like, oh my God, they're like committed. And then like they talked to us after and they're so nice. But like that was a game that we didn't really realize. I think like what we were doing, we were just like playing and yeah, it's fun. There's something else um, we, uh, and my producer, um, Christine, She's, she's charged. Yeah. She'll let me know if we got another video that's up and ready. Um, but Christine, uh, I was going to go ahead and move on with a, a part of this that I promised I would talk to Lexi about. And that's um, uh, I Dream a Genie. <laughs> I do have your, uh, let's see, I have your Wilson, uh, Steve oh. Wilson, one loaded. Let's see. Oh, good. And I have so, um, Dr. Gowdy opening the games as well. Oh, wow. Look, we got some videos loaded. So now we're going to sh- shift gears a little bit. Okay. Here's uh here's what we got. Um, Steve Wilson he writes for the Space Coast Daily, and he was the one who originally said you really should go. You should talk to Lexi. We're really proud, you know, that she's from this area and so forth. And so I said, but I need some history because not only do you send off rockets from this area, but this is where the show Ijimajini was based, and this is what the world knows about Cocoa Beach. <laughs> Before we go to that video though, there was one something something I didn't cover. In 2018, the Washington Nationals picked your brother in the first round uh of the mlb draft what the heck <laughs> so you so you guys you got you got a few athletes in the family yeah huh? yeah tell me a little bit but did you, did you have to spend a lot of time going to your brother's games um honestly no, no. My, my mom was <laughs> always with me at volleyball and my dad was with my brother a lot of baseball and he's a pitcher yeah um do you uh it, it, that's got to be exciting though and now is he climbing the ranks of the minor leagues and then all of a sudden, the shutdown, huh? Yeah, he's been trying to get up there, but COVID has just messed up a lot of stuff. Yeah, it sure has. Um, so that so we want people to keep an eye on uh, Mason Denenberg um, with the Nationals. Tell me a little bit, like, did you ever think you'd see a tournament like today where all of the players would be, like, temperature checked and, you know, the switches and no high-fiving? And all of those protocols, right? Yeah, I feel like it's something that we might just have to get used to because mm-hmm. times have changed so much and all we can do is just adjust to it because everyone's right. got to deal with these same circumstances. Everybody does. Um, and, and you know, what, the thing that's going to be tricky is it's going to be different circumstances in different areas yeah. based on, you know, both how the how the populace, you know, handles it and the area and, and things, we you know, that... That, that we don't know and it's going to be a really interesting way back what um communication as as stein metzger your coach been giving you as far as like when you guys are going to get a chance to work out or uh, is there any plans 
Yeah, I, th I think there's some plans, but a lot of stuff is just still unknown because anything can happen and a bunch of stuff, like if they start shutting stuff down, then we don't really know what will happen. But the plan is still to go back out there right now and to begin training and begin going through that process of getting clear before we can like be on campus and stuff like that and hopefully practice. Um, but yeah, we've been having some Zoom calls and we're supposed to get out there in early September. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed our Valentine's Day special. Hope you guys have a great week here on SSDO. We're out. Thanks for watching and listening. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is produced by Christine Jinbo and me, Marley Rice. Directed by Chris M. Alport with studio support from Alpha Command Unit and shot by bad boy Bobby McCall. Original music, courtesy of Lennon Music Production and original images, courtesy of Sienna Lennon Photography. A big thank you to all of our contributors. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc. You can find us on audio platforms everywhere and the High School Narrative iOS app. You can also view Denny's shows on Roku, Apple TV, and Fire TV. Make sure to press that subscribe button, give us a review, leave a comment. It will really help us grow the show. Hey, you know what else would help us grow the show? Hustle on over to patreon.com slash Denny Lennon to get some never-before-seen videos, pictures, interviews, and more. We are all over social media and constantly sending out clips on Facebook, conducting fun polls on Twitter, going live on Instagram, and more. To find all our social media links, hustle on over to sportstoriesdl.com. SSDL proudly supports the My Stuff Bags Foundation and the Heroes Movement. The My Stuff Bags Foundation, with the help of thousands of people across the country, provides children in unfortunate situations with new belongings and new hope through its innovative My Stuff Bags program. Heroes Movement is a nonprofit that bridges the gap from therapy to getting strong again through small group workouts for any veteran of the United States Armed Forces for free. Links to how you can support and help these foundations can be found on our website. We want to give a big thank you to our partners of the show. So, as Coach Lennon would say, any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me, Marley, at info at sportsstoriespodcast.com. Sports Stories thanks all of our followers and listeners. And we will, we will see, see you, you next, next time. time. Hey, thanks, Marley. Thanks, Chris. Well, what do you know? It's that time again. Thursday. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Kick it out, book! <laughs>